when I was a kid, I remember seeing some things on TV and uh, about dominoes. I had a friend, I never had a domino set. But I had a friend that had some dominoes. And I'd go over to his house and every now and then he'd get his domino set out. And he had a card table. How many of y'all know what a card table is? And we'd set up those dominoes on the card table. And you know why we'd set up those dominoes? Just for the sheer pleasure of watching them fall. And that was always intriguing to me. It was mesmerizing to me. There's a term used. It's really in the mechanical world. And there's some individuals right here that are mechanical, mechanical engineers even. You understand this, and you understand far more than I do because my brain is not very mechanical. I'm impressed with it, but I don't understand things. But this is something I do understand. Very simple. But it's, it's the domino effect. And it really is a chain reaction. That's what we refer to as a domino effect. It's the cumulative effect produced when one event or one thing sets off a chain of similar events. It's the analogy of one domino falling and causing the other dominoes to fall. And so we call it the domino effect. And I could set up a thousand dominoes. I I saw something recently. I think someone had set up like 2.3 million dominoes. Now, first of all, let me pause and say this. Who in the world has time to set up 2.3 million dominoes? Not I, said the little worm. But anyway, 2.3 dominoes set up and that whole chain reaction started with just one domino. Did you know that as you read your New Testament and as you read the Gospels, did you know that there is a domino effect with the Gospel of Jesus? In fact, I want you to see one of, one of the examples of that here in John chapter 1. Jesus Christ, his public ministry was beginning here. It, it's interesting that John's Gospel doesn't mention the birth of Christ. Because John's job is not to establish the humanity of Jesus. John's intent is to establish the deity of Jesus. And so it's often been questioned or asked, why why doesn't John refer to the birth of Jesus? Well, because, uh, well, he does in a roundabout way in verse 14 where it says, And the Word was made flesh. In uh, in other words, Christ, who was pre-existent, eternally existent with God the Father, That he became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, he became a man. And then we're introduced to the ministry of John the Baptist. Verse 15. John bear witness of him, of Jesus. So now we come to verse 29 in the scripture. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, 
I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and then abode upon him, and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, unto whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. So John the Baptist is sharing this and speaking this, and he said that the Spirit of God told me that Jesus, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, is the one who the Spirit is going to come descend on him like a dove. I'm going to baptize him. The Spirit's going to descend on him. And that's going to be a sign that he is the Lamb of God. He's the Messiah. He's the one that has truly come to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now you've got to understand something. That John the Baptist at this point had a public ministry. It was a pretty prominent public ministry. Now John's job was never to take anybody away from God the Father. His job was to point people to God the Father. And yet the Spirit revealed unto him that his job was to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. That's Christ. So when the Messiah came, John's job was to step back and get out of the way. And by the way, he did do that. The Lord kind of even arranged providentially, circumstantially to get John out of the way. Because he ended up being arrested, taken to prison, and consequently beheaded. John understood that his job was just to prepare the way and make the way for Jesus to come, at least for people to accept him and embrace him. Because he said in chapter 3 verse 30, he said, look, I must decrease and he must increase. That's a good verse, by the way, for all of us to pray and to claim. Jesus would be increased and that we decrease in our life, right? So that was what was happening, and and this was the the fulfillment of all that taking place. But John the Baptist did have some followers. He had some disciples. And I want you to see what the Scripture says right here uh, uh, in, in, in verse 35. And the next day, after John stood, and two of his disciples, Looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Verse 37. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And verse 39, he saith unto them, Come and see. They came. And saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day. For it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Verse 41. He first findeth his own brother Simon. Saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is by interpretation the Christ. And he, Andrew, brought him Simon Peter to Jesus. Here we have this living testimony and biblical narrative of a gospel domino effect where this follower of John the Baptist named Andrew, he ceased following John and he started following Jesus and then consequently 
right after that, he immediately went and reached his own brother Simon Peter and he brought him to Jesus. And that domino fell. I want to talk to you this morning on bring your one. Bring your one. It is not uncommon for our church or in our church and our pulpit and our services to preach a message or teach a lesson or have an emphasis on people bringing other people to Jesus. That's almost like 101, gospel 101, New Testament 101. We've heard messages for years and years and years and years on us bringing people to Jesus. And I think sometimes, if I could be so bold and honest, I think sometimes we've heard it so much, gang, that it almost has lost its... We've lost the burden for it. Because we think that it... I don't know that it may apply to other people, doesn't apply to us, or we may even live under the weight, under the burden of that, and yet it's not, we really don't live with a sense of urgency about it. One of my favorite preachers named Johnny Hunt, he says this, God may not allow you to touch thousands, but he may allow you to touch one who will touch thousands. J.D. Greer said, we must do whatever it takes to reach the lost. And it starts with one. You see, ladies and gentlemen, while I am deeply appreciative of evangelism programs and lessons that teach us how to appropriately and effectively communicate our faith, and we, we value those, we appreciate those, we have had those in our church ministry for a long, long, long time, and I'm sure we'll have more. But hear me, God's people don't need another evangelism program. That's not what we need. God's people need to commit to sharing the gospel with just one person. Remember the good shepherd in Luke 15? That the good shepherd personified in the very character and nature of Jesus himself. He left the 99 and he went looking for the, the one. I want to give you three simple lessons from the text that apply to us today. First of all, people bring people to Jesus. People bring people to Jesus. God chose, isn't this amazing? God chose to use people to get people to Jesus. In verse 42, we see what the scripture says that Andrew, he, he, Andrew, brought him, Simon Peter, to Christ. God in eternity past could have chosen any method that he wanted to in order to bring people to himself. What did he choose? The most prominent method used in scripture for people being brought to Christ was other people. People bring people to Jesus. I know that there are times in scripture when there are gospel announcements made by the angels. We see that at the birth of Christ. By the way, you're going to see that. You're going to see that during the tribulation period if you study the book of the Revelation. 
But between the birth of Christ, hear me now, between the birth of Christ and the tribulation period, you never see an angel preaching the gospel. You see people preaching the gospel. Because that's how God set it up. Because he wants you and I to bring people to Jesus. So, truth number one, people bring people to Jesus. Truth number two, saved people bring people to Jesus. Now, I love this passage here because I want you to notice verse 40. Because it tells us in verse 40 what Andrew's relationship was with the Lord. Watch this. And one of the two which heard John and followed Jesus was Andrew. You see, there was a time in Andrew's life when he wasn't saved. He was lost. He was searching, thank the Lord. He was searching for God. He was searching for salvation. He didn't find that salvation in John the Baptist. Hear me now. He found that salvation in Jesus Christ. And he ceased following John the Baptist. And he began to follow Jesus. By the way, this morning, I hope you're not following a man. I hope you're not following a person, a personality, a movement. I hope you're following the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if, if we're following anyone else, we are absolutely doomed to an eternal hell. We must and have to be following the Lord Jesus Christ. But the natural pattern, the natural pattern of a believer, the natural pattern of saved people is that saved people bring people to Jesus. Third truth. Most of the time, people bring people they know to Jesus. Now you say, preacher, you know how I got saved? I got saved because a stranger witnessed to me. And I believe that's true. I, I, I know that a person can put their faith in Christ by being led, influenced, witnessed to by a stranger. I believe in spontaneous evangelism. I believe that when there's an opportunity and the Spirit of God gives you the green light, opens the door, I believe God anoints gospel witnesses and gospel presentations. But here's what I'm going to tell you, friend. Gospel effectiveness shines the brightest in the context of pre-existing human relationships. Let me tell you what I mean by that. That means that most of the time when the gospel is effective and somebody is converted and they give their life to Christ, it's because someone they know influenced them. Someone they know. Why is that true? Well, I think it's true for a few reasons. I think it's true because naturally there's a genuine concern. There's a genuine concern. I call that the burden factor. That, that, that means that there's, there is stronger gospel burden for those people we know compared to those we don't know. That's natural. You're naturally going to be more concerned and burdened for somebody that you know. Perhaps a relative, maybe a sibling, maybe a parent, a child, a cousin, a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor. You already know them. You don't have to pray and say, Lord, uh, show me somebody that's lost and doesn't know Christ. You already know who they are. They know your name, you know theirs. Your friends at best, your, your, your relatives, your 
co-workers. You're not strangers. So there's the burden factor. You have a stronger burden. It says here, uh, notice in verse 41, it says that he first, he first, he first went looking for his brother. He had a burden for his brother. Do you have a burden? Who's your burden for this morning? Who's that burden for? I guarantee you, I guarantee you while we're talking and while I'm preaching on the outside, the Holy Spirit of God is putting a name, a face on the inside of your spirit and your conscience, your mind. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, it's somebody that you already know. So there's the burden factor. But then, not only is there a genuine concern, there's a natural connection here. There's a natural connection. It's what I call the acquaintance factor. (laughs) You see, you don't have to get to know them because you already do know them. You're acquainted with them. There's the burden factor. There's the acquaintance factor. It's just a natural connection. And then there's a powerful confidence. That's what I call the trust factor. See, hear me now. People trust those they know more readily than those they don't. Isn't that true? People trust those they know more readily than those that don't. It says he brought his own brother. There was a natural uh, connection there, but there was a powerful confidence. Now watch this. It says, and he brought him, verse 42, Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Now listen carefully. How many of you know anything about Simon Peter in the New Testament? Raise your hand if you think you know a little bit about Simon Peter. If you know anything about Simon Peter, you know Simon Peter was not a pushover. If you study his characteristics, his personality traits, you'll discover that Simon Peter had a very strong personality. I just can't see Andrew being able to manipulate and coerce and force Simon Peter to go with him to see Jesus. I see Simon Peter going willingly. I see Simon Peter putting trust in Andrew as his brother. Oh man, my brother, surely he's not going to lead me wrong. I trust him. He's my brother. So what does he do? He goes along with him. People bring people to Jesus. Saved people bring people to Jesus. And most of the time, people bring people they know to Jesus. I look around the church today and I see individuals. I'm I'm about to call some names. You're like, dude, great. I've always wanted to be in a service where the preacher started calling names. I'm going to call some names and use some names of some people in our church that some of you know, many of you know. But it's people that have been changed through the ministry of our local church. But it started with with a domino. That domino's name Alston. Alston had some brothers and some sisters. 
And back in 1960, 1961, Alston had a burden for his siblings. And he told one of his brothers named Jackie, he said, I want you to come to church with me. And down when this church was first part of First Free Will Baptist downtown on Asterix, he said, I want you to come to church with me on Sunday and uh, I'll take you to lunch. And so that brother named Jackie and came with us. Make a long story short, Jackie had a wife named Sue and in a revival meeting in around April of 1961 Jackie and a couple of more folks whose family is here this morning who were still part of our church those three men got saved in the same revival meeting that Brother Guy Owens was preaching I believe Marcellus Harrison was one. The uh, and, and, and my memory can't remember who the third fellow was, but he's still here in our church. His family. Well, Jackie and Sue got involved. And Jackie had some other siblings and brothers, and one of those, his name was Bobby. So on again, going back to that one domino. On Thanksgiving Day, can you imagine having a revival meeting on Thanksgiving Day back in 1961? <laughs> well, they did. And Alston's, Jackie's brother, Bobby, got saved. All right, fast forward a little bit. I'm talking about the domino. So these people start, you know, having families of their own. They start having children. And they also continue the domino effect. They start sharing Christ, inviting people to come to church. One of those individuals that Jackie's wife, Sue, was friends with and connected with and got to come to this church was a dear lady named Dorothy. Dorothy came and got right with the Lord. Dorothy uh, has a husband, and his name is Harold, and they have children now, and now they have grandchildren, and now they have great-grandchildren, and, and, and by the way, uh, one of their uh, grandchildren, their grandsons-in-law, is preaching his first sermon this morning at a church that he was just brought on staff with. And they got another grandson that's serving as a deacon and serving the Lord. And so, I, okay, so Alston influenced Jackie and Sue, Jackie and Sue, the domino fell and influenced uh, Dorothy and Harold and Harold uh, and Dorothy influenced their own generations, their own children and grandchildren and now great-grandchildren for the Lord, but it doesn't stop there because there's a lady sitting in our auditorium this morning named Cindy and Cindy, when Cindy was a girl, Miss Dorothy, who was influenced by Miss Sue, Miss Dorothy would go by Cindy's house and pick Cindy up and bring her to church. This is 
I don't know if we had a bus ministry back then or not, but she used her station wagon to pick up people and bring them to church. And, and now Cindy uh, is not a little girl anymore. Uh, Cindy is not just a mother, but a grandmother and just had a, a new baby grandson born this week. But uh, she's got a son in Tulsa, Oklahoma that's preaching. She has a, a daughter in Greensboro that's a Christian school teacher. She has another son. Uh, her and Jimmy, her husband, has another son who's in Greenville as a preacher. And so uh, here's what I'm trying to say. Here's what I'm trying to say. That first domino. That first domino. Started out with Alston. And now Jackie and Sue's son is, is a preacher and, 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 and their, their other sons are living for Jesus and serving the Lord. And, and, and now Bobby and Norma, uh, their, their children, grandchildren, uh, serving the Lord, serving Jesus. And I, what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is we could go on and on and we could have people stand up in this auditorium. I'm not just trying to highlight certain families. What I'm trying to say is sometimes people wonder, man, those roots at Faith Church go deep with a lot of families. And it seems like that this family is connected with this family and this family is connected with this family and yeah but there's a reason why it's because for a lot of the people who are sitting in here gray headed a little bit older than me and maybe a lot older than me do you know how and why they came to faith in Jesus Christ because somebody somebody years ago decades ago got it on their heart just to be the first domino to fall Because they had enough grit and enough grace and enough God on them and enough conviction and enough burden and enough power of God on them to just give the invitation. Hey, will you come with me? 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 And now for multi-generations. not just people still who make up the bulk of faith church but there are now people in heaven and who will be in heaven for all eternity because somewhere somewhere sometime back that first domino fell what I'm saying is everybody in here is a domino you say CP did Alston realize back in 1960 that those different invitations would result in this? I don't know if he did or not. But let me tell you who did know it. <laughs> Jesus did. <laughs> you see, what does this have to do with me, preacher? Well... It's because on Easter Sunday this year, we're having Easter Sunday, <laughs> and we're having a special emphasis. We're having two services that morning, and I'm going prayerfully before the Lord Jesus, I'm going to do my very best to preach as simple a gospel presentation as a human being can present. And I'm going to ask you to join us when you came in this morning you received a card that says invite your one it looks like this invite your one 
I want you to grab that card. Will you? Take a look at that card. You see, everybody, watch this. Everybody's been with me up to this point. You've been with me. You've been paying attention. I've been watching. Even though I don't have my glasses and can't see past the fifth row. I've been watching and pay attention. We're asking our church family to commit to just invite one. You, individually, each, each one invite one. I've already invited my one. Hello, my name's Christian Fowle, and I have invited my one. I have. I've got my one. Now, I'm not going to stop at just one, but <laughs> it'd be a poor pastor that wasn't, didn't set an example by getting at least one, right? I'm, I, I've, I've already got my one. I want you to get your one. And we're going to get one. Everybody I'm, I'm looking at, you know a one. You know somebody. You do. You know somebody. I'm going to ask you. Let the Lord lead. Let the Lord help you. Let's go invite our one.